much horror business Driving late at night Psycho 78 12 o'clock Don't be late I said all this horror business Greetings and salutations My name is Justin Lohr And I'm Liam O'Donnell. <laughs> and you were listening to the episode. That was a pregnant pause you had there. I don't know how long a pause is a dramatic pause. Was that too dramatic? Yeah, I, hence me calling it a pregnant pause. Well, yeah, but pregnant pause could be good. I'm okay with getting a pause knocked up. Episode I'm 85 to, of Horror Business. I'm willing to leave, leave my seed in a pause. That's fine. The pause will accept Liam's seed. Well, it's consensual. I'm not, yes, yes, yes. I'm not doing. So, I'm not doing anything unconsensual with a pause. We're we're you know. You're making this weird. It's drawn out. It's you're making it weird. <laughs> well, that's sort of the theme, right? Yes. <laughs> so, tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about two movies that were Patreon picks by the homie Eddie Yarrow. I believe it's pronounced Yarrow. If I fuck oh, up, oh sure, I'm truly sorry. Uh, we are doing well and. Let's let's say to folks too, like Ao, get us your Patreon picks if you if you're at that level. Yeah, fucking get them to us because we'll do them. We're doing them. This is the second, third episode in second episode in three episodes that we're doing picks that were Patreon picks. So don't pick anything fucking stupid. If you pick Thanks Killing or fucking Sharknado, I will. F- I, I have your address. Okay, I will go there and I will find you, and you will regret the day you you stumbled across this podcast if you picked shitty movies. That's fucking terrible. I'm not going to do anything. You could pick whatever you want. <laughs> anyway, we're going to be doing both films are from 1965. We're going to be doing Die Monster Die and Planet of the Vampires. Thank you, Eddie, for these picks. I will tell you, I was very happy with Planet of the Vampires and mostly happy with Die Monster Die, but we'll get there. Before we go any further, this episode is brought to you by you, our lovely Patreon subscribers that we just spent the last fucking two minutes sort of raving about. If you have given us any money through Patreon, we are so fucking thankful. Thank you so much. We are very grateful. We are very thankful. Our gratitude knows no boundaries. Um, if you are interested in becoming a Patreon patron, you can head to www.patreon.com backslash Cinepunks, and it'll, it'll walk you through this subscription process. Whether it's $1 a month, $5 a month, $10 a month, $20 a month, whatever. Whatever you want to give, that's fine. Because we do this for free, because like we always say, money isn't real. But unfortunately, the rest of the world thinks it is. So there are costs to running a podcast and running a website. And Patreon helps offset that a little bit. So, uh, yeah, if you have given, thank you. If you want to give, please do, and thank you in advance. www.patreon.com backslash Cinepunks. This episode is also brought to you by the premier screen printing company of the greater Lehigh Valley area. Now, Liam, if I said to you, I want to get t-shirts made that say... I don't have anything clever. <laughs> I got, I got, That's a good t-shirt. Yeah. I would like to have a t-shirt that says, I don't have anything yeah. clever. If I wanted to get a t-shirt that was like, um, you know, if I was like a 40-year-old man who had discovered social distortion at the age of 30, for some reason you discovered social distortion in 2010, um, if I wanted to get a t-shirt made for my punk band that was called like, 
uh, the fuckers. And like we were like asshole punks. The, the television rejects. Yeah, yeah, something stupid like that. Where would you suggest I go to get my stupid dumb cock t-shirt made? I don't think there's any place that would not only do a good job, but love to work on a shirt like that more than Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. 100%. Reject will probably book you on a show, too. Yeah, some shitty folk punk show full of shitty yeah. shit. Yeah. Shit, shitty. Very shitty Just shit. Um, so you, you can head to www.xlvacx.com. That's www.xlvacx.com. Do not go to lvac.com because it'll take you to the Las Vegas Athletic Commission, which is certainly – Chris Reject would never be involved with anything athletic because athletes are jocks. Chris Reject's a fucking nerd. Jocks hate nerds. That all tracks. All totally true. Also, Chris Reject, I don't know. He has the X's in there. Because he thinks it's punk. It's not punk. It makes him a fucking poser because Chris Reject is not, never was, and never fucking will be straight edge. He was at one point very screamo, though, so it kind of fits. Um, I don't know if you would call what he was into screamo. It was more like... Um, I was trying to make fun of him. I was going to say it was more like uh, buffoonery is what I would call buffoonery. it. Buffoonery. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, www.xlvacx.com. Now, now comes the time when I, I awaken from my, my slumber, early, early from my slumber, my, my life support pod opens up, and I, gro- mm-hmm. I groggily walk to the computer, and I check, and I say, Mother, <laughs> computer's name is Mother, 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 where are we? And it says, hello, Justin, you've been awoken six months early because we got a distress signal from Alpha Centauri Sigma Pi, and I'm like... What the fuck? And I open it up. Sigma Pi. I open the, I groggily tap out the computer keyboard. Um, What's this fucking distress signal? And it answers back. And then I say to the distress, I don't know where I'm going with this. I just send this distress signal back. I, I, <laughs> I type out, Liam, what are movies have you watched recently? <laughs> oh, oh, Justin. That was, that was a painful transition. I'm sorry. Hey, you're the one who had to listen to it. Um, well, I'm just sorry I had to name it as painful. Gotcha. Uh, hey, I, I got to be honest, not a whole lot. Uh, I've been keeping up with, and I think we're probably both keeping up with uh, Lovecraft Country. Uh, it's very, it's. I don't know how you feel about it. I feel like it's very good so far. Oh yeah, you know you I'm, didn't you didn't I'm see, about it. you didn't you don't you don't go on the hard business Twitter on Sunday nights where it's me tweeting at Journey Smollett. Begging for attention in like a Sammy Hagar-esque way and pleading for her affections, I don't do that. I mean, maybe I have like once. I actually, this past Sunday, I don't think you live tweeted it because I actually went to look at your thing. No, I did. I I totally did. Well, so here's part of the problem here that I need to name for everyone. I have actually not yet adjusted to central time. (laughs) So now two Sundays in a row, I've stayed up till nine to watch it. When it comes on, realize—I mean, I said stayed up. I was going to be awake at nine anyway, but I was very specifically like, "All right, nine o'clock, we can put on the show finally." But of course, it's nine o'clock Eastern time. It was already available, so I actually missed all the tweets about it, which is good because it means it, nothing was spoiled for me. But uh, yeah, I've, I, you know, it's only three episodes in, so I don't want to 
praise it too hard just in case it shits the bed because that's totally a thing that could happen. But three episodes in, I'm I'm very in. I, I really like it. Um, I, it's I don't consider it horror, uh, but sort of horror adjacent is true crime, and I started watching that true crime documentary series called the something in the dark, and I don't remember what it is. I'll be gone in the dark. But, yeah, I'll be gone in the dark. Oh my god, it is very compelling. I'm only two episodes in, but I'm already ra- I'm wrapped. Did you? See I'm wrapped the, up in it. Did you see the episode where Pat Oswalt is talking about how he took his wife, his late wife, to see Prince on her birthday? Not yet. Oh no, my god, there's footage of Pat Oswalt singing along to Prince, and it's the fucking. It like gave me life. Oh, of course, of course. Those are that's a combo of two things you love very much. Absolutely. Yeah. So I. I uh, I've enjoyed both those things. One of them is not necessarily horror, whatever. And then the only horror movie I actually made time for was a uh, a classic movie, Demon Knight. Huh? I've heard of Demon, Demon Knight. Knight. Yeah, I think uh, I think the people who love it really love it. So I wouldn't call it underrated, but I will say it's better than a lot of other horror that was coming out at that time. And I don't know that people who haven't given it a chance realize how good it is. I think it's very good. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I never listed as one of my favorite movies or anything like that. But every time I rewatch it, I think, oh yeah, this movie's really good. Yeah, like, it's it's sort of a, and it, I I think part of the issue there is because the uh, what's the follow up from uh, Tales from the Crypt? That would be Bordello of Blood. Which it's is, so bad. Which is it's like so fucking horrible. It's so next level awful that like that. I think that's why. It, the the quality of Demon Knight is that much more surprising. Like, it, it's not like I mean, again, I think Tales from the Crypt, the show, is hit or miss. You know, there are episodes that are great, there are episodes that are terrible, whatever. I I don't think that's a mark. I know a lot of people love it. I'm sorry if you love Tales from the Crypt. Apology accepted. I think it's I think it's hit or miss. I think there's bad stuff. There's good stuff. Let me, let me I like let, it. Before you go any further, let me ask you a question. And here, yes, here this episode alone. It's not even an episode. This. Segue into into the episode alone makes Tales from the Crypt amazing. Have you ever seen Sure. <laughs> I gotta calm down because I'm gonna get the fucking case of the giggles by thinking about this. Um you ever see the episode where it opens up and the Crypt Keeper's like a stand-up comedian? <laughs> I think so. I don't remember it. He's, like, he's like telling these jokes and it pan- the camera pans out to the audience and <laughs> they're all like skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do sunglasses. That. <laughs> I okay. You are ridiculous right now. Oh, oh my god. Oh fuck. Anyway, that that scene alone. Okay, you're out of control. That scene alone uh, makes that show amazing. Don't get me wrong. I I definitely like the show, but I don't think a Tales from the Crypt movie is guaranteed to be a success. As is proven by Bordello of Blood, which is a trash film. It's garbage. Um, and so I think, to me, Demon Knight is better than anything I saw on the show. You know what I mean? Like, I just think... Not including, I'm just not always, including the scene I just talked about. <laughs> right, not including that scene. Um, now, knowing you were going to ask me this, I did try to get some other horror movies in, just so we'd have more stuff to talk about. But um, talking about our real-world nightmare... Uh, one of the teachers at uh, Maeve's daycare tested positive for COVID. Fun. So the day, 
Yeah, so the daycare is closed. Now, granted, it's not one of her teachers, but one of the teachers who works there. So the daycare is closed, so suddenly I didn't have a lot of time to sit around and, and watch horror movies, uh, unfortunately. So um, I did I did start She Dies Tomorrow. Is that what it's called? Yes. She Dies Tomorrow. The Amy Simetz, John, and uh, it's really good so far, but I, I haven't gotten to finish it yet. So I'm going to withhold judgment, and hopefully I'll get it done before our next episode, and I'll be able to talk about it. But I, I was very much like, okay... Justin's going to ask me. I want to make sure I get some stuff watched so I have something to talk about. Mm-hmm. I can pull it out of my pocket and be like, what about this, Justin? Mm-hmm. And then uh, it didn't, didn't happen. I'm sorry. It's okay. Apology accepted. Um, I have done a lot. I have... I noticed. Yes. Um, I, too, have been enjoying Lovecraft Country. Um, that last episode made me do, like, do a weird scream at several points. With the ghosts, the spooky ghosts, uh, horrifying. And I said this on Twitter, um, and I'll say it now, the scene where Journey Smollett goes to town on those cars with a fucking bat, uh, I went through second puberty watching that scene. That was like, <laughs> this is cool. I mean, it sucks because then the cops showed up and like were fucking racist assholes about it, but like, wow. You know, that, that was, Yeah. Fucking flips the bat at the fucking neighbors, so yeah, I we can't endorse that show. I mean, yeah, but it's not not like it fucking needs an endorsement because it's like you know widely successful critically and you know ratings wise. But um, I also have watched a few movies. I watched a movie called The Pale Door. Um, sort of like a western. How is it? It's good. Yeah, that looks it. the 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 poster is amazing, the so I want incredible. the movie to be good. Um, the movie's fine. It's 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 a lot like. I don't know if it's just because like it's like a western thing that I'm I'm making this comparison. It kind of reminds me of like from Dust Till Dawn, uh, John, but like, sure. The coolest thing about it is like, like the actual weird supernatural storyline, is just okay. It's fine. It's 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 scary. Uh, I mean, it's it it's, it it makes for like a good castle siege storyline where they have to fight these things off. Um, but it kind of like there's no way to there, there, there's a, there, there's it's I it's not quite a twist. I'd say it's more it's more a revelation about like a scene we see in the movie when it's told from a, from a different perspective. I was like, okay, that's actually like a really cool like human part of this story that doesn't involve like spooky monsters and 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 ghastly creatures of the night. It's just like sure. it's when you it, it, you know the horror there is when you realize that like the truth that you adhere to about your family all your life like what if all of a sudden that was like upended? Like what if everything you knew about your father and mother was suddenly like turned on its head? And this movie does it in like a very very effective way in a way that ties in with the nature of like pioneer life. You know like you know, I, there's this romanization of like pioneer life of like working hard, being close to the earth, and it's like, yeah, but like people would fucking murder you for a horse. There's nothing romantic about right. that. Um, right. And this movie kind of ties into that. It, it's it's sort of just like a like a reminder of like, sure, you know, we always th- this is how like you know people like they wish things were, but like when you're two thousand miles away from 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 any sort of law and order. Um, Shit can get very bad very fast, and it, you don't need fucking witches or vampires for that to happen. Um, and I just, I just thought it did it in a really cool way. That sort of like added a, you know, added like a, like an extra layer of like, oh, that really sucks into a movie about, you know, 
spooky creatures. Also watched a little movie called Uncle Peckerhead, which we were talking about before we recorded. Um, I really liked it. The trailer's fucking cool. It's a neat, simple concept. Um, it's very authentically punk, which I appreciate. Uh, it's got a lot of great gore, a lot of great performances. And uh, I don't know, it was just a really fun, really charming movie that was able to be charming, but at the same time, it was a movie about a fucking literal ghoul who was eating people. And it sure, was like, right. it, it had its charm, but it also felt very grounded. In the, the, way, like, the way the movie ends, I'm like, okay, that's the only reasonable way this movie could end given like what it's about and it could have gone in a very 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 corny fucking saccharine direction and it doesn't and it stays the course for what it should do and i really appreciate that it 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 did what it did because like i said um it had the potential to, to to pull off a fucking stupid trope um like a macabre mr belvedere um, and it absolutely doesn't do that, so I liked it. Plus, there was a, you know there was a bouncing soul shirt in it, which I really like because I like the bouncing souls. I'm a true believer. Sure. Yeah, of course you are. Yeah. yeah. You like you like old man hats and craft beer. Yeah, and singing along forever and bullying the jukebox and you know Asbury Park and pork pie hats and doing that weird soccer song. Ole. Ole 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 ole. That's literally all I know about the bouncing souls. You're kidding. They do that. Yeah, I mean, I've uh, I've definitely yawned and and slept a little bit through their sets before. But How the? Have you not heard Hopeless Romantic? That record is fucking perfect. <laughs> Bro, you and Josh could have a Bouncing Souls Appreciation podcast, and I will put it on this very network. But uh, if there's something that we do not see eye to eye about between the three of us, it's that band. I do not enjoy that band. Josh actually is not as big a fan anymore because he saw them recently and was like, why did I used to love this band? But he definitely had a he definitely had a phase with the Bouncing Souls where they were like one of his favorite bands. Hey man, better them than Morrissey. Well, I will I will give you that. I would actually pay money. Even though I don't love them, I would still pay money to see the Bouncing Souls if I like the opening acts. I would let you pay me to pee on Morrissey. That would be cool. Twenty bucks if you pistol Morrissey and I'll pay you out of jail. <laughs> Yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. Um, I also tried to watch um, You Should Have Left, I think it was called, with Kevin Bacon. Uh, Wrong answer. That movie was boring as shit. I'll go ahead and say I tried to watch that too one night and uh, couldn't get through it. I'm not that, just not interested, guys. That, it doesn't work. That movie was boring as shit, and I liked, I really like the first Dark Throne record. So that says a lot about how bad that movie is. <laughs> that movie was so... Okay. First off, I don't mean to, to smear the good name of Kevin Bacon because I think Kevin Bacon right. has made a lot of um, a lot of good spooky movies. You know, like I, I don't yeah. think Stir of Echoes gets the credit that it should get. That was a solid fucking movie. And then, you know, how can we forget about the movie that I yell at the Criterion Company about at least once a day about releasing an edition of Tremors, a timeless fucking monster movie if there ever was one. Um, I mean, I also recently saw him prepare a mango on TikTok, and that was really good. Beautiful. Uh, his death scene in Sleepers is a, it, it's 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 not quite like Byron Hadley, or it's not quite like the warden from Shawshank killing himself. Satisfying. It's up there though. 
Uh, but no, that movie was just, it was just bad. You could tell it was like, uh, just not compelling. Like nothing was happening. It was sort of misogynistic in like a really like, I, like sneaky way, I think. Fuck that movie. And then um, a movie I watched last night and I fucking loved was a little film called The Hunt. Oh, did you love it? I heard I heard mixed things from people. Some people really like it. Some people thought it was like a swing and a miss. I, I don't know. I haven't watched it yet. Okay. I'm kind of like so, blow on it. So here's the thing about it. I'll, this is the one thing I didn't like about it. It's not nearly as clever as it thinks it is. That being said, um, there's a lot of like, I won't say subtle, but a, there's a lot of references to Animal Farm in the movie in a way that I was like, okay, like I know this movie thinks it's making some sort of grand political commentary, and I don't really think it is, but whoever wrote this movie has some grasp of like political history and how it's applying to what we're fucking going through today. So I, I, I dug that. Um, I also, I was talking to Carly from The Final Girls about this before you started recording. A lot of conservatives like boycotted this movie because they're like, it's a movie about fucking liberals hunting conservatives. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you know the, the heroes are the conservative? Like the hero of the movie is like, like a southern gal who's also like a like a fucking secret badass green beret, who's killing. I mean, who, who, if I made a movie about conservatives hunting people on the left, it would be an anti-conservative. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't understand who hears that plot and goes, I don't know, guys. It's seems like another liberal plot like i was it's clearly made for a different reason yeah like i was watching this movie and i was like this is what a lot of people on the right think any especially in the age of fucking QAnon, they think this shit is fucking real and it's not like 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 i'm watching this movie and like all the liberal characters like the people who are hunting them there are these like quote-unquote lim- limousine liberals who are just like no no we, we we can't hate black people we don't even say the n-word and like you know all this shit and i'm like I was watching this movie, and it's like, yeah, I, the thing is, is like, I hate that type of like leftist as well. Like, I hate liberals, too. Like, these people who, like, it's all performative bullshit. They're actually just, like, horrible, morally bankrupt people who think they're, like, who think that they're good and doing something just because they call Donald Trump, like, a rat fuck. And that's it. And that's where it stops. And, like, they're the bad guys. And I think the movie is, like, it is far more critical of, like, performative limousine liberalism than it is in any way of anyone on the right. I mean, like, most of the, like, there aren't enough right-leaning characters in this movie to really make, like, a, a to, to be, like, a solid, um, to say it's, like, it, it, it's harsh on, like, conservatives. Uh, I mean, like, the, the most conservative thing that they talk about is at one point, um, oh, what's the fuck, what's the guy's name? He's the guy, he was in American History X, he's, like, the bigger guy, um, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's way too good at playing a racist, so I'm like watching him now. Like, you fucking, what's going on here, man? Um, <laughs> but no, he's like talking about like. There's one scene where they 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 hop a train to get out of there, and it's like there's like a in the train there's like I, I think they're like Pakistani or maybe like um, Indian refugees, and he's like, oh fucking course, fucking Arabs, blah 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 blah, and it's like that is the most like, you know what I mean? Like that that that's 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 the that's the right. That's the right-leaning stuff in the movie. That's it, and everything else is just like, 
liberals being like, you know, we should kill people and get away with it because like, they, they say the N-word. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of get that, but like, what do you do? You know, like you probably cross the street when you see a person of color walking towards you. So go fuck sure. yourself. So it's like, right. it, it, it's like, but anyway, like, like, like I, I said to Carly, like, I'm actually glad conservatives are boycotting this movie because like this movie was too much fun and I don't want Donald Trump to have any joy in his life. So fuck him. I don't <laughs> want him watching this movie. Um, yeah. But no, it was, it was a lot of fun. There was like the acting from the main, from the main, act, from the, the main actor. She is, let me find her name. She was on that show, uh, Glow, the Netflix thing. Oh yeah, she is the best. I love. She's good in Glow. She was good on Nurse Jackie. Holy, she's good on something else too. God, man, like there was one scene where she's like talking about her life before this, because one character's like she's like there one 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 of like the she like gets this like guy and she's like torturing him for information, and she's like, all right, I'm gonna go kill the rest of these people, and he's like, why? You've won, like you've made your point. She's like. No, I know, but I, I have to kill the rest of these people. And he's like, yeah, but you could just walk away. Like, you don't have to kill these people. And she's like, no, I'm like a car rental clerk. That's my life. Like, I, I have to find the motherfuckers that doesn't kill them. And she, like, gets all, like, teary-eyed. And there's just this moment where it's like, not to sound too melodramatic, but, like, I mean, it is me. It was like there was, like, these, like, steel shutters over her face for most of the movie. And then for this just one moment, it just lifted. And there's this, there was this like really like this like aching vulnerability there that was like, I was a holy shit. Like she can really fucking act. Like that was like a real fucking moment. And then it was just, you know, she fucking killed the guy and, you know, continued cutting a path of fucking destruction across this, this, this estate. But like, holy shit, what a fucking fun movie. And now I'm done. I'm done going into aesthetics about the hunt. So, <laughs> all right. Well, I'll have to check it out now. Yeah. And then if I disagree, I can come on and yell at you. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's all we really have to talk about for that. Um, I think we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about 1965s. Well, they both came out in '65. So, what do you want to do first? Let's do Die Monster Die first. Sounds good. We'll be right back to talk about Die, Monster, Die, also known as Monster. Of course, the British people called it Monster of Terror. What the fucking kind of monster is there? Die, Monster, Die, also known as Monster of Terror. Get out of this room.
and we are back to talk about 1965's mystery horror sci-fi thriller, Die, Monster, Die, also known as Monster of Terror. This movie is a loose, and I mean very loose, adaption of noted white supremacist H.P. Lovecraft story, The Color Out of Space. <laughs> Which just had a movie come out called The Color Out of Space. Which was better than I mean, I think uh, I, I, I think but, that's that's yeah. an unfair that's an unfair comparison. Is it though? Yeah, because uh, I think that this there are two different realms. It's I think comparing this is uh, to me right now you're comparing like uh, Nick Cage to Boris Karloff. I know I am. Well, I mean, I love Boris Karloff. Actually, he's like one of my favorite parts of this movie, but. Uh, no, I just mean like the style is so different. The era is so different. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, I, I also prefer Color Out of Space. But I think um, I think for what it is, I don't know. I think this movie is pretty good. Um, okay. Well, let's just jump into it. Um, All right. I like the way this movie looked. I like the way the movie was shot. I like the effects of it. The effects were awful. But for 1965... For those of you who don't know, we should probably tell them what the movie's about. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Okay, fine. Here we go. I'm just saying. Some people fucking, might not know. Fucking asshole. Uh, let, me get to, <laughs> let me get to IMDB. Here we go. Ready? A young man visits his fiance's estate to discover that her wheelchair-bound scientist father has discovered a meteorite that em- emits mutating radiation rays. Whoever wrote that should be fucking fired. Radiation rays. That turn the plants in his greenhouse to giants. When his own wife falls victim to this mysterious power, the old man takes it upon himself to destroy the glowing object with disastrous results. I don't think that's what this movie's about. It's the fucking color out of space. We all know what the color out of space was. I mean, it's color out of space, but with a weird radiation. You know, color out of space is not... Well, first of all, don't assume everyone knows anything about Lovecraft, because a lot of people don't. But uh, Lovecraft wasn't interested in radiation, you know? Like this is this is very influenced by its era, so it's taking the general anxiety of Lovecraft about anything foreign, <laughs> anything, anything, and different, anything. Period. Yeah, and and turning it specifically towards nuke, n- nuclear, nuclear. Yeah, it's like j- issues. It's like you know, like the the screenwriter uh, Jerry Soul was like reading the color out of space. He's like, so we got these fucking sinister colors that can't be described. What the fuck shit is this? Make it radiation. And At that, least he had the respect to change the name. <laughs> what? What do you mean the name? Well, because he could have called it Color Out of Space, and then, but there's nothing really about, there's almost nothing about color in the movie. So As that H.P. Lovecraft would have wanted it. <laughs> no, okay. So, this And it conflates, both movies also conflate a large period of time. Like, the original story is longer, has a longer time stamp. I wouldn't know. Both I've never read it. Who's H.P. Lovecraft? Oh my god. The point is is that this movie is very much more uh an adventuresome version of this. It's yes. less about uh you know, a long-standing family suffering sort of cursy thing hmm. and it's very much like a ba- a weekend gone bad. This is I mean this is really like a, a an uncomfortable fortnight is what we have yeah. in front of us. I like this movie, I think. No, I did. <laughs> 
You're very conflicted this is, about this, this buddy. Is, this is this is the this is the fucking this is the content they come here for. Uh, are you are you are you all wrapped up in this because it's Lovecraft and so you have strong emotions about this movie? Probably. Hmm. I'm stepping outside huh. myself right now. I don't think I do, but I I'm not a reliable person at all, and my judgment on anything involving Lovecraft cannot be trusted. This movie feels like this like weird, like. I don't really know how to explain it. Like, it's a cool story. Like, this guy, he gets a letter from his fiance. He has to go to her, her father's estate to see her sure. because there's something going wrong. Right. And you could go, like, it very easily could have been like, oh, there's fucking ghosts we've pissed off in the house, and now they're just making our lives hell. Or there's a werewolf that comes out of the hills uh, twice a month and, you know, has murdered my sheep or something. Uh, it could be anything. It just feels like they had a story where a guy has to go to a fucking ancient, like a, like a mansion. He has to go there for some reason and, like, there's a woman in peril there and then they just took certain elements from the color out of space and just kind of fucking tacked him in there. I, I actually will agree with you a little bit on that. For me, that was amusing because they were so... I mean, this is literally a movie in which the... And I think it, to sort of agree with what you're saying here, it's a movie in which an outsider comes into a house and there's some dark family secret waiting for them. Um, it's not quite as sinister as like a House of Usher sort of thing. Yeah. But, but there's this idea that there's this... They keep referencing this... Um, sort of tradition or legacy of evil only they don't really want to tap into the weirdness of color out of space so when they get to like actually reveal for you what's going on here it's just some like colored glass that came from a meteor like it's just like we found a space rock and the space rock is radiating us so bad things are happening kryptonite it looks like kryptonite but the, the the point being is that like I think everything about the movie works so well, actually, for uh, this. This Let me just reveal to people, too. I, I, I probably have a lower bar, and we've talked about this a little bit, but this kind of mid-60s, this isn't a Hammer film, but it's got like that sort of retro uh, British feel. I, I don't have huge expectations for these sort of movies unless it's a folk horror film. If it's not Blood on Satan's Claw, I think it's probably not going to be for me. And the fact that I was actually amused a lot of the movie was like, oh, this is actually going really well. I like the American dude. He's ridiculous, but I love him. I love he's just like, hey, what's the matter with you people yeah. here? Nobody wants to talk to me. Hey, I love I love that. I love the utter naivete of his lady friend. She knew that house was fucked up. Like, like she's just completely oblivious as to what is it can't just be new. The family's clearly fucked before the space rock lands. And then things have been so fucked up since the space rock landed. She should know that something's wrong, but it's like, suddenly she's like, wait, maybe there is something weird going on here. Like totally out of the blue. And I love, uh, uh, Boris Karloff as this like wheelchair bound, utterly scientifically has no idea what he's doing. I mean, his big scientific insight is to shove the space rock into the dirt the plants are in and the plants get real, real big. That's it. That's not science. No. Like any any jerk off would be like, I don't know, we got these space rocks. I guess we'll just put them in the dirt. 
Oh, let's just try it. His, see what happens. His daughter is so clueless that her father is keeping fucking mutants in the shed. And then, like, when they... Shed mutants. Yeah, when they find him, she's just like, oh, that's odd. And, I mean... We just never, we just never go in that part of the, the greenhouse. We only just ignore the fucking howls and inhuman ghastly roars we hear from there. Oh, also, the plants are all fucking huge, and they glow. <laughs> I guess what it is is when we finally get to that reveal, it's so ridiculous, and the movie has kept me going so well up to then that I just rolled with it, because... After that, nothing makes sense. Like, A, the the nanny just wandering in the woods waiting to stab someone. Perfect. I was okay with no, that. It doesn't make any sense. I love it. Uh, the fact that The Rock is in the basement, and the basement has all this Satan shit, and no one comments. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is supposed to be, uh, you know, uh, sort of, it's not set in the past, but it's a very old-fashioned rural England. Um, and this dude's American, so, you know, Anyone who's American was brought up in some sort of like Jesus-y thing. And they just walk into this basement with all this Satan shit and no one stops to go, hey, what's up with the big yeah. uh, big Baphomet over he there? What's that about? He doesn't walk in and say, so uh, first, why is your basement a fucking dungeon? Secondly, why is there a grate in the floor that you keep fucking kryptonite in there? Like He, just, he, he is just <laughs> unfazed by fucking all the terror. And Boris Karloff, I cannot overstate how Boris Karloff is lurking this entire fucking oh, movie. Oh, yeah. Just oh, yeah. constantly rolling out of the shadows with his fucking wheelchair. Like, do you like... You know, there's, like, paintings of shit, and he's just, like, constantly glaring at this guy. Like, their first interaction where he's, like, super... It's that sort of, like, weird... I can't even say, like, weird British, like, politeness because, like... I don't know, like, Al White is, like, a weirdly polite British guy. But, like, Al White doesn't make me feel like he's going to fucking stab me with a can opener. Like, Boris Karloff is looking at this guy. He's like, oh, yeah, my daughter told, told, sent you a letter to come here. Um, that's fine. Get the fuck out of my house. And the guy's like, I'm not leaving until I talk to my daughter. He's like, cool, cool, cool. Get the fuck out. You know, he's so... <laughs> it's crazy. It's so... Uh, but I love it, though. Yeah, I love what, him in that role. Yeah. His voice. Just, I don't know if you feel this way. Just hearing Boris Karloff's voice makes me happy. Just hearing him talk, I'm like, yeah, all right. Okay. All right. Let's see what this goes. Yeah. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love it. But it, it, it's so, like, I don't know. It was just, it wasn't quite over the top. But it was just, there were so many parts of this movie where, like, Everyone was cool with obviously weird shit going on. No one batted an eye at fucking anything. Well, I think the elements of the movie that... I, I'm not an expert on the story coming out of space. I just know it a little bit. The elements of the movie that feel like we gotta, uh, we gotta sort of create some of our own thing here because we can't rely on the narrative, I think those parts are pretty good. Um, the parts where they're sort of referencing the story or at least some of the, the more... Uh, uh, exceptional or extraordinary parts of the story those are okay the parts where they're sort of referencing the dread of the story that they never actually trans those parts are the only parts where i was like okay the continual reference to the family and the history of the family doing something evil without ever explaining it is so unnecessary in a film in which a guy finds a space rock and it slowly kills him and mutates other stuff it's like that's Here's the Go weird ahead. thing. Here's the weird thing. The constant reference to like someone, some past family member doing something terrible. Yeah. It's like, did you guys pick up the wrong volume of Lovecraft? 
Because you know what I mean? Like, right. that, that, that is some Lovecraftian shit right there. But like, there's, in a movie about a space rock, possibly from another dimension, we don't know, that is mutating everything that's within like a mile of it, there's so little of that. There's just all this like, there's so much like, again, there's so much lurking and like a uh, suggestion of like evil. You're like, yeah, 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 but there's a space I mean, rock. They do show his portrait, the oh, oh, patriarch's portrait a lot with this like, oh, because he's so bad. And, and even the dad is like, well, this is the heritage of my father and his evil and all this stuff. And it's all like, uh, we could have done that. Like that could have been the narrative if you wanted, but you went with radioactive space rock. You know what I mean? Like that's what I mean when it when it when it. Th- that's what I mean when I say this feels like it was a script that they had like halfway finished, and they just needed to juice it up a little bit. So they just like were like, uh, color out of space. Maybe I don't know. I I I, I think it's. I think it, I still think it's influenced by color out of space. I just think because, uh, I mean. Isn't there some of that historical stuff in Colorado Space too? Sort of, but only in the way that it's like not to the family specifically. It's more like like Lovecraft talks. The one line that sticks out with me, he's like, "Yeah, yeah, that place like beyond Arkham where the hills rise wild, beyond to that blasted heath." They talk about how like weird shit has always happened there, but they don't really go in the detail. It's only when like because the Colorado Space is told. It's 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 not like it's told. I guess through flashback, sort of. But it's it, the color out of space is about a weird rock that falls out of the sky and just starts wreaking havoc on this one family in a farm. That's what it's about. The family's past is like kind of irrelevant because it's not like I don't, like I I don't know like it just. I could understand, like, if Boris Karloff, he's like, my father was an astronomer who dabbled in the things he ought not to have dabbled in, and he did experiments on godly things that called down this color out of space. I would have been on board with that. But the fact that there's, like, weird satanic imagery in there, I'm like, did, did, did Satan, like, send this rock? Does, like, the, the devil, like, ha here's your rock. Well... That's the other thing. It, I guess that's a little bit what I was getting at is like that historical stuff is feels out of place to me partly because the Lovecraft story is more squishy than science. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. He's not so interested in actual radiation. So to combine the Satan stuff with a story that makes it more specifically just it's just radiation you know what I mean like yeah yeah it's they're under interested in the weirdness you know uh, uh, for for those listeners who maybe have seen this movie but haven't read a lot of lovecraft lovecraft isn't stoked on science he never has a guy who's like don't worry everyone i figured it out it's radiation like that's not a thing if there's a scientist he's eventually going to run up to the limits of his own knowledge and go mad with realizing all the chittering things in the dark that ahead. his science can't save him from. I'm going to go ahead and plug something on our website. If you guys want to go to www.cinepunks.com and click on my name, Justin Lore, the one and only, you could check out several articles of this Justin that kind of dive into Lovecraft's opinion of science. And I would also suggest the first edition of this Justin where I talk about F. Paul Wilson. And he is sort of like the antidote to Lovecraft's view of science. Because Lovecraft didn't hate science. Lovecraft was like a big fan of like positronic brain bullshit where he would be like, like he says in like the color out of space, he's like, it was a ghastly color outside the, physical, phys- the, the visible spectrum. And you're like, 
oh, so ultraviolet or infrared. Like, yeah, we know what that is. Like, uh, it's fine. It's cool. Like, we use it all the time now. It's like, no, even further, x-rays. Yeah, yeah, x-rays are fine. We use those, like, you know what I mean? Like, he would say all this shit, like, thinking it was, like, weird and spooky, like, non-Euclidean geometry. And now, like, they teach that shit in, like, college. So it's like, it wasn't that he was anti-science. It was just that, like, he was a big fan of, like, I guess the best way is like he, he, he was sort of like a pre-positronic brain type writer where he would just throw around these fancy terms and it was just like they mean what they mean. I don't give a fuck what they actually mean. It just sounds cool. It's weird because I gave your mom my positronic brain. Who hasn't? Waggity schmaggity do. <laughs> I like this movie. Yes, uh, I But I will say that I'm not a connoisseur. Like even just seeing the name "Die Monster Die," I thought, well, I, I might not, I might not enjoy this. So, uh, for someone who loves these sorts of films, um, maybe this isn't your favorite. Maybe it's missing some essential element for you. But I thought it was pretty good, and I liked uh, Karloff in it, and uh, whatever you know, when he becomes the irradiated monster at the end, it's utterly silly, but that's fine. I still, I still liked it. Would I watch it again anytime soon? I don't know. I don't know if I would. And it it lacks a lot of that Lovecraft anxiety. There's no anxiety here. No. The way that Lovecraft wrote. And again, I'm not a huge, I'm not as big a Lovecraft fan as you are, but uh, but that's what I find appealing about Lovecraft is some of that weird, anxious, everything is unknowable sort of thing. And that's not here. That's kind of not the point of this movie. No, like Lovecraft, if this were like true Lovecraftian bullshit with the anxiety, they would have like walked into the, the light, the, 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 you know, Boris Karloff would have been like, I have something horrible to show you in the greenhouse. And they've gone in the greenhouse and there'd been like a plant. And they're like, okay, he's like, look at the plant. And they're like, yeah, we see. He's like, isn't it terrible? And they're like, okay. That's what Lovecraft's anxiety is. It's like normal <laughs> shit that is just fucking terrifying. <laughs> the the chair represents yes. the universe that wants to yes. destroy you, you walk in whether the, you see it or not. You walk in the room and there's a chair there and you're like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> All right. I guess that's it for this movie. Yeah, I dug it. I guess we'll take a quick break and we come back. We'll talk about fucking Planet of the Vampires, which I'd never seen before, but I own and I love this movie. We'll be right back. <laughs> Let's prepare for a landing, Brad. Okay. In a 40G gravity atmosphere, strange thing happens to man's body and mind. Barry Sullivan and Norma Bengel take you into the most fantastic science fiction adventure ever filmed. Emergency, emergency. Conditions desperate. Little chance of survival. Help us. Mark, look! What have you got? The Galliot. Bert, get me a fix on this right now. Wes, Brad, controls. Planet of the Vampires. Harboring a form of life worse than death. Planet of the Bloodless. Creatures who take men's bodies but attack like vampires. I'll tell you this, if there are any intelligent creatures on this planet, there are enemies. In this outer space world, 
The living dead try to escape into life. Salas. No, just his body. And I'm just one of many beings on this planet. And we're fighting to survive. It's imperative that our race continue to exist. We arranged for several of you to kill each other so that we could take over your bodies. You are our last chance. No, never. We'll all of us give up our lives to save our own race. And we are back to talk about 1965's Planet of the Vampires, also known as <laughs> Terror Nello Spazio, literally Terror in Space. Directed by Liam's boyfriend, Mario Bava. <laughs> uh, based upon the short science, I didn't know that, short science fiction story, Renato Piz. It's a, a fucking Italian short story. One Night of 21 Hours. Man, I bet there's like nasty sex in that. Uh, the plot of. Stop. Oh, tell me that the One Night of 24, 21 Hours isn't like something that the fucking Marquis de Sade would have written. So, uh, the plot of this movie, and just bear with me and tell me. 1965, this movie came out. It's important to remember. 1965. Liam, tell me if this reminds you of anything. After landing on a mysterious planet, a team of astronauts begin to turn on each other. Swayed by the uncertain influence of the planet and its strange inhabitants. Movie opens up and they receive a distress signal from a supposedly abandoned planet. They go there and they find an ancient ship with desiccated aliens. Weird. What does that remind you of? Mm, uh, Journey to the Stars? Yes, exactly. That's what I was getting at. You know what it reminds me of? What? The book Monster by Christopher Pike that I read when I was like 13 years old and it scared the fuck out of me. <laughs> We're just fucking with you. It's Alien. Dan O'Bannon was hugely influenced by this movie when he wrote Alien. Some would say too hugely influenced. Well, I mean, he forgot the light beings that you can't perceive on this sound wavelength or something? Uh, it's not important. They're there. <laughs> This movie was so fucking cool. Everything about this movie was cool as shit. Um, the special effects were like charmingly hokey for the time. There was one scene that was, I think, genuinely frightening, like legitimately nightmare fuel. Um, and the just the costume design for this movie was so goddamn fucking neat. <sighs> I think this is very much a. Uh Obviously, a Mario Bava movie. Yes, like the this. So this came out in '65. It feels it oftentimes like not just a '60s, but even like a '50s sci-fi yes. movie. You know, like that sort of like creatures from space sort of vibe. You know. Yep. And uh, one thing I don't talk a lot about on this show because I don't want people to not like us is that I don't like that. That's not my thing. I don't enjoy those things very often. Um, I guess a few of the ones that are kind of like uh, vaguely kaiju-esque I, I think are okay. okay. But a lot of a lot of those kind of uh, uh, 
horror sci-fi movies of the atomic age are not my vibe. So when this started, I thought, oh, this is going to be some dumbass, dumb shit. But almost immediately, you remember that Mario Bava uh, is an amazing director or was an amazing director who uh, worked with quality cinematographers and who understood color and unsurprisingly understood how to make even the hokiest of effects look dramatic and interesting. And uh, this movie is immediately visually compelling. Now, all the parts where the leather-clad astronauts, LOL, are just saying science stuff to each other on the bridge, it's really hard for me to be engaged with it. Oh, like, yeah. it's I'm really struggling. But as soon as stuff starts to happen, I was, like, wrapped up. Um there is a scene where a bunch of dead astronauts come back to life, which I believe Justin referenced, that is unbelievably horrifying. And I would say is one of the more upsetting things that Mario Bava ever filmed because uh, even some of my favorite of his films are not that level of nightmare. They're visually interesting. They're gory. They're upsetting. But those astronauts emerging from their graves in plastic was... Something about it. Next level. That was something else, you know. Um, I, I I have to agree too. The hokiness of the creatures being these light beings was charming. I, I wasn't annoyed by it at all. Uh, and the giant skeleton of whatever uh, aliens landed there prior and were killed. Uh, love that too. Thought that was great. That was um, no the the, this, the 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 scene that actually got me like that really creeped me out was. Uh, let me, well, let me just say, side note, if you've seen the one poster for this movie, I think it's the American release when it actually was released as Planet of the Vampires, um, these skeletons are actually fighting the astronauts in that. That doesn't happen. I'm very sorry. I wish it did. We live in an imperfect universe, so we don't see any giant, giant skeleton creatures fighting anyone. Um, no, the scene when like the two astronauts they like they go into the the skeleton creature ship and they get like stuck in the room with the one that's like falling over the fucking control panel and the door just shuts behind them and that that recording starts playing of that like weird dragging voice that just like and they're like stuck in there and like they're like kind of quietly panicking and there's this fucking like big fucking skeleton in the room with them. Like, that is the type of shit that, like, there was just something about that that I was like, man, this is, like, super subtle and super subdued, but, like, fuck, this is really creepy. And they, they get out of there, and it's fine, but, like, yeah, the, the, this movie had a, has, like, a lot, of, a lot of shit in it that, like, is, for 1965, kind of terrifying. Uh... I mean, this came out before Night of the Living Dead, so these, like, fucking zombie, you know, zombie astronauts, this was, like, before Romero. This, it was just, uh, I don't know, that, that idea of they, these, these alien spirits, which is also frightening, reanimating these people, and they're just, like, clawing out of the ground is just horrifying. Yeah, I guess we didn't actually get into the details of how these things work. These aliens that are on the planet are... Uh, and it's not really clear what they mean by this, but they, they are existing on some other kind of plane where they can interact with us, but they can't physically connect with us. However, they can animate dead human or, well, it's unclear that these people are humans and we'll get to that. But uh, but you, they can animate uh, physical beings uh, or they can coexist in the body if you allow them to. If they try to invade your psyche without your accepting them at all 
that it's a problem for whatever reason, but they don't really make that clear, but that's fine. Uh, and Or they can animate the dead. And them animating all these dead astronauts was so upsetting. Um, and... I don't want to. I don't want to overhype this movie and be like it's really dramatic, whatever, whatever. But on a conceptual level, the idea that like, a a o, this is our last chance to not perish as a species. So like, we get it. Like this kind of sucks for you, and you know you certainly don't want to bring us to your planet. And I get that. But this is our last hope. So we're just gonna do it. Yeah. There's something about that that's less. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of horror. It, it it relates to you know the monster inside ourselves or the invasion of some sort of creature that wants to eat us or whatever. There's something about this that's so much more human and desperate that it was like kind of compelling. Again, the movie's a little hokey, and any chance you have to like really care about these uh, bodiless aliens is sort of taken away from you because they're still kind of sinister about the whole thing. But there is just a level where you could see being like wow, this is kind of upsetting. And of course the humans are, or uh, our main characters are like, well, we'll, we'll sacrifice everything not to let you get to our planet. Um, and then of course it, it, you know, it ends with a zinger where it's like, you know, much like star Wars, this is all actually happening before. This is from a long time ago. This isn't our future. And so they, they see the earth and they're going to come to earth. Uh, I was almost hoping they were going to do like a, like some sort of weird I don't I don't know I've seen a few anime where these like people in space that you think are humans they end up being the first like people that populate the earth you know what I mean Yeah like Battlestar so Galactica Yeah 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 so I kind of thought that's what they were going to go for and instead it's like a fully 1960s earth that they're like so I guess we're just going to land there So like literally down literally fucking downtown Manhattan they're like aha these primitive people with their stone buildings ha 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 they so have fucking no idea good. what's coming for them. It's so yeah, no, good. And there's I, I there's, like that a lot. There's fucking there are two aliens and they're like, oh, this planet is ours. Like get fucked. No. I but it was funny, like like okay, all cards on the table, by all rights, that ending should have pissed me off. Because most things piss me off, and I really don't like kind of shitty tacked on endings like that. But as soon as they were like we have to find a nearby planet. And you're like, oh, shit, I know where this is going. And they're like, here, there's a very primitive planet by a very primitive... They're like talking shit. Like, it's a very small star called Sol. <laughs> and you're like, fuck, they're going to Earth. And then they send down their probe on their, like, their scope. Because, you know, they got to have a scope that they could just look through and fucking see this shit. And it's just, like, stock footage of New York City. And they're like, very primitive. But it will do... And I, it's just all on board because it's so goddamn hokey. But at the same time, it's almost like it's the hokiness that's cut with the shit that Liam and I have cut through with the shit that Liam and I have been talking about. Where it's like, this is funny because I feel like the hokiness of this movie won you over, and the hokiness of the other movie won me over. Like I very much enjoyed this too, but I think you are much more charmed by this movie than I was. Okay. Which I, I liked it, but I didn't quite love it as well, much as you did. I have a soft spot for shit like this because, like, um, I said earlier, like, there was a book I read when I was a kid uh, called Monster by Christopher Pike. Um, it's not good at all. So I'm not going to be like, it's not a book I read when I was younger that I can recommend. Like, I don't know when I fucking went on a rant about Dean Koontz in our last episode. The premise of the book was that, like, what if vampires were real? And what if they were, like, the remnants of this, like, ancient civilization 
from a planet that existed between Mars and Jupiter that ancient humans flew up to and blew up because they were tired of vampires invading them. And the whole idea was that the planet itself was this sort of like sentient, like ego from the, from, from the Marvel comics. And like, right. it would like, it would draw people in with, or draw aliens in with like distress signals. And when they would land, it would infect them and then send them back to their planet to sort of spread this kind of like uh, collective like hive mind. And I just think that's fascinating. I just think that's such a fucking cool idea. So this movie kind of reminded me of that, how like there's this, this ancient planet with these disembodied uh, alien spirits that for millennia have been like contacting other alien races to come there to try to possess them to get off this planet, and they can't, and like these things that show up now are their final chances. That premise alone, no matter how badly executed, no matter how corny it looks, that premise alone already kind of pushes me towards like 80% into like falling in love with this movie. And then like the rest of it was just good enough for me to be like, all right, I'm, I'm in, I'm, 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 I'm in on this movie and I'm, I'm, I'm there. I think that's interesting because I think we're sort of in different places on both movies in the sense that like, um, I, I agree on all the things you said about this movie, but for me, the other movie, it was the execution that won me over the conceptually, the movie doesn't work because it doesn't really want to do color out of space. Yeah, exactly. If it was trying harder to do color out of space, it would work on a conceptual level. But it's so ridiculous that I was just charmed by it anyway. This this movie, you know, Planet of the Vampires, I think you're right. There is something conceptually interesting about it. And I do really much enjoy the execution. But I'm I'm somewhat less interested in it. Like I like the idea of it, but I think this is way more up your alley. And in general, I think uh, I think you tend to like these like um, different takes on vampires. That's a thing I think that is like something you're down with. Oh yeah, in a I mean, way. You, you just look at like conceptually, this isn't far off from Life Force. You know, this like wandering sure, civilization sure. of like spirit vampires. Or can we? Are they even? Are they, are these things even really vampires? Like they're not. No, at one point they say it's like vampires. But oh yeah, they never. I don't think they ever do any. You know, it's just like the 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 dead come back to life and they're living in the dead, but it's not the same. It's not. They're not really vampires. They're yeah. They're not the. They're not the Strigoi. Sure. Uh, right. <laughs> no, I mean, I I just like I don't know how to explain it. Like it's I I and I I am a a, a sucker for uh, you know different takes on vampires. Um, again, not to not to toot my own horn, you know, not not to you know, puff my own dick up, but, like, go read Cinepunks.com. Go read the edition of This Justin I did on, like, Brian Lumley and, like, his Necroscope series. Uh, the idea of vampires not as, like, you know, uh, fucking lurking Slavic people in fancy evening wear around a spooky castle with armadillos and cobwebs menacing Dwight Fry, that's fine. But, like, like a, a take like a very interesting, very, uh, I'll say courageous, creatively cr cr courageous take on vampires. It's like, I, I'm kind of like, I'll, 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 I'll give it a shot just because I, I do like when there's, when, when it, when it's, when it's well done and there's like a cool story behind it. Sometimes it's trash. Uh, other times you get fucking blade two in the strain. You know what I mean? Like, 
but yeah, this, 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 just this movie combines two things that I, I I'm a fan of movies, aliens and and you know the dead coming back to life, which I don't like. I I mean I'm not I don't know <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. Uh, but now you like undead aliens. That's I do like, like undead thing. aliens. Yeah, yeah. That's that they call me undead alien Justin Lore in certain parts of the country. <laughs> when you pay enough money. Uh, yes. <laughs> So I don't know. This is just a cool movie. Like I, it, it's, it's. I, I, I don't. It, it's kind of weird because it's like, you know, Bob is known more for like his, Gialli, and this is this is decidedly not Gialli. I wouldn't say just Gialli, but yeah. I mean, for, he didn't do a lot of sci-fi or monster movies per yeah, se. This is this is not uh, this is not what you hear when this is not what you think when you hear the name Baba. But I think because I do think the way he sets himself apart. I would say this is true of his son too. Is the visual storytelling? You yeah. know what I mean. Like, I think it's very rare for someone to be super impressed with a Bava script. Uh, I think it's really about the 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 look and the feel and the visuals of it. This movie is a part of that. This movie works half the time because it's interesting to look at, um, with obvious budgetary and special effects limitations you know they couldn't computer animate anything they could barely make good sets on this thing and yet his use of color the way he frames stuff his choices on you know uh uh, all kinds of aspects of the film visually it's compelling now is there a certain cheese factor yeah there's a big cheese factor you have to be able to get through the few minutes of them saying the least believable fake science stuff I've heard in a long fucking time. Doctor, but our if, electronic proton engine and our dimensional tide is malfunctioning our bifurcator. What should we do? We have we have to make sure the meteor rejector is Oh, my working. God. The, the meteor me- rejector, y'all. The meteor rejector, I would only accept the term meteor rejector in a 1970s Godzilla film when they send fucking... Sure. Geigen up to fucking kill Godzilla, or when the when the when the nebula creatures come down, they're like, our meteor rejector shall pummel the earth with their rejected meteors, and then they send the fucking G unit up there to strike at them. Well, and the idea that no one knew what the term force field was in 1965. Get the fuck out! Of here. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I I literally when they said meteor rejector, I thought this must be a. a an Italian to English thing. Like, this is a translation issue because there's no way. In, there was enough corny sci-fi throughout the 40s and the 50s that by 1965, whoever came up with a concept of a planet of, of light beings that, that animate dead bodies the way you would think of vampires, that dude knew what a force field was. We didn't just come up with that in yeah, the 80s. When did, when, did, when did Fantastic Four start? That was like the early 60s, right? Yeah. Yeah, fucking Invisible Woman. She creates force fields. They knew what it was. They knew what a fucking force field was. It had to be, it had to be a... a, a, a language barrier like lost in translation thing well i think we could say uh, die monster die i like it a lot i don't know how strongly i would recommend it per se but you know uh, we're, we're we're still early in our bava relationship on this podcast like i think we both have sort of talked about how we haven't seen i mean there's a lot of movies there but we haven't seen a ton of them per se but uh but i think um if you are someone who likes Bava and you, for whatever reason, haven't checked this movie out, you need to check it out. Like, the, you need to be a completist when it comes to this. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think this should be on your list. Uh, yeah, I would say this is like, for me, I'm not like a huge Bava person, but I would definitely say like this. The other we 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 did what um, 
We've done two other Bava episodes at this point, right? Because yeah, we yeah. did Blood and Black Lace. We did um, Hatch in the Honeymoon. Oh, my brain, my brain is yeah, Hatcher for the Honeymoon. Other things, some some other shit, yeah. So, um, no, it's it's a uh, it's interesting. I'm on the Wikipedia now, and Dan O'Bannon fully admitted that he got the idea of the giant skeleton from Planet of the Vampires. Oh, they're also saying that Pitch Black was influenced by this movie, which I could see. Oh, Kill Baby Kill, we also did. Kill Baby Kill. Great. You mean Kill Baby Ellipsis. Kill. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure a lot of movies uh, were influenced not just by this movie, but by Bava in general. But yeah, this is like, I'm sure it was Nightmare. In 1965, this comes out. There's just enough there that's like, its own thing that I'm sure it was nightmare fuel. And at that time, this sort of like pseudoscience adventure, like it's funny we use that term now about um, hard sci-fi. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As if the history of sci-fi was always that shit had to be actually scientifically believable. You know what I mean? Like I'm not saying there was no scientifically sort of based sci science fiction in the 60s, but there was so much sci-fi that was just bullshit jargon not influenced by any actual science so the idea that now nerds are out here like no it's pretty good but it's not hard sci-fi yeah, get is fucked. like yo fuck you man like uh, I, I get it I, I'm fully on board with the Star Wars films or fantasy films cool sure they're fantasy westerns I don't know why you fucking care but if you do fine that's what they are that's great but the idea that you come at any other sci-fi movie and be like, well, it's, it's not really hard sci-fi because the science is blah, blah. Come on, man. Get yeah. out of here. I, I've read Starship Troopers. Fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Stranger in a Strange Land. Eat my ass. You know what I mean? Like, I just can't with all that. Like, I just think... Uh, uh, I, and let's be clear. On this podcast, that's also how we feel about horror. If you're super invested in patrolling the borders of whatever genre you think is like a real thing and not just a made-up idea we used to describe tendencies in art, you're an asshole. Yeah. Like, that's just how it is. It's not worth it. I, I will definitely sometimes watch something and be like, oh, I don't really consider that horror. But that's not like because I'm fucking invested. It doesn't matter. If someone wants to tell me that blah, blah, blah is a horror film, I'm down with that. I don't fucking care. I co-sign everything you just said. Except for A Quiet Place. That's not a horror movie, you motherfuckers. How is that not a horror movie? I'm totally kidding. You f- because oh he God. said it. Because he was the motherfucker oh who said it wasn't a horror movie. Dude, I, I, I got like legitimately angry like <laughs> for like a second. <laughs> there's this like white hot core of just fucking fury in my heart when you said that. Like, you, you know I don't. Kidding. You know I don't like that movie, so I like messing with people about it because oh people really love that movie, and I, I think it's not good. It's I, I like it. It's very good. Anyway, uh, also this just this just dawned on me. They have their meteor rejector, and it's constantly rejecting meteors. What happens when it finds a meteor? It accepts. Mm, then the world can finally love again. Yes, and it destroys the ship and kills them. <laughs> It's a fucking force field. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. So that is Planet of the Vampires. Uh, again, thank you, Eddie, for suggesting these. We appreciate that. I hope that. we did a good job. I, I hope we did, did a good too. job. I hope. I mean, if you really love these movies, I hope we did them justice. And I apologize if we didn't. I will say, you know, uh, these are two movies where uh, there's not really much to say sort of uh, politically, although you could argue that Planet of the Vampires 
could be useful for a certain kind of fascism. Like, you know, like, look, we got to do whatever we can to survive here. Like, well, I was, I was going to say, uh, I, I, you know, if let me put on my sociopolitical hat right now. Oh, um, I like that. Do it. Put it on, Daddy. I, oh, that was fucking uncanny. Um, <laughs> I think this movie has like a vague anti-colonialism message. You think so? Yes. Stay the fuck away from planets that don't belong to you. Don't start nothing. Won't be nothing. No, they went because they wanted to be helpful. They there was a distress. That's called signal. the white man's burden. That's why people. That's why. Like, yeah, I guess. That I is, guess that is. I, I I I think it's more likely like the the but the morality of it being like we got to do whatever we can to survive feels like it could work for a certain kind of propaganda. But absolutely, I mean, there's definitely there's there's definitely like like a like a Nietzschean. Uh, narrative there, like the whole like life is a struggle and blah 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 and all that other bullshit that idiots believe. But like <laughs> the whole idea of like we have to help other people, no matter we have to go to these far off lands. Sure. Flash forward four hundred years, and Brazil is in fucking shambles because the Portuguese yeah. couldn't mind their own fucking business. <laughs> Those fucking Portuguese. <laughs> also, I think politically speaking, uh, leather makes for a bad. Space outfit. Yeah, you know what else makes for it a was bad a spa- little. It, it was a little weird that their space s- insignia was very boltish. It had a, it had sort of a bolty vibe. You mean what do you mean bolt? <laughs> like bolt? You know what I mean by bolts? Like black bolt? No, like SS bolts. Oh yes, Jesus Christ! Yeah, I was gonna say it looked like something that Willem Dafoe would wear in Streets of Fire. Oh God! I was thinking it was more like the terrible outfits they decided to put the X Men in in the first yes! X Men movie. Holy shit! Yes. <laughs> uh, Dude, no, really. That... Die Monster Die has like almost no political implications. It, it it's clearly a movie that has taken Lovecraft and shoved it into the uh, anxious about nuclear weapons and power air. You know what I mean? Like as opposed to being anxious about. Blah from outer space <laughs> but you know what i mean like yeah, 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 it, yeah. It, 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 it makes it all contemporary but then it doesn't really want to like it just wants to play off that anxiety that we all had at the time and probably should still have that radiation is going to kill us you know what i mean like yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, in 2020 we're all kind of like eh, radiation schmadiation the planet's going to die a heat death that's all i'm worried about yeah or i'm trying not to get shot by a popo so like the idea that we should also be like looking obtusely at our microwaves and thinking are you killing me you motherfucker <laughs> that's not even on the menu anymore. yeah i like, would even i'll worry about i'll worry about radiation killing me after i survive the glorious workers revolution that you know like that's yeah, fucking right then i'll then i'll start eyeing my microwave suspiciously Right, exactly. <laughs> also, I just it just dawned on me when you said about the X Men, like it kind of does look like the shit they're wearing looks like something that like um, oh, what was his fucking name? Multiple Man, like Multiple Man's like original right, yes. costume, like it kind of looks like it's got the the full fucking cap. X Men, great comic book if you guys haven't heard of it. Yeah, no, it's weird how no one's ever heard of the. No X-Men. one's ever heard of the X Men. <laughs> it's crazy. I keep telling people about it. They're like, whoa, really? Sir, please. This is a re- Put some pants on and walk. Get out of the restaurant. <laughs> All right. So that was Planet of the Vampires and Die Monster Die. Again, thank you so much, Eddie. We really appreciate the suggestion. Um, we hope we didn't let you down. 
Uh, thank you guys for listening. You can head to cinepunks.com to check out more episodes of this podcast and, you know, a bunch of other podcasts. I'm still waiting for Weird, Obscure, and Impossible and Unsafe to put the episode out that I did with them on Shadow People in which I sat in my boss's office and screamed about the hat man for two hours. Um, you can head to cinepunks.com to also check out. We have a fucking great series of articles right now on Fanta- uh, Fantasia Fest. The, the, the pieces that our crew are doing for this is so fucking good, and I wish more people would see it and recognize it and respect it and give it the respect that it deserves. So go there, check that shit out, share it on Twitter, share it on Facebook, screen cap it, share it on Instagram, tag us, hashtag app Cinepunks, whatever, hashtag FantasiaFest. Um, and, you know, read, read, read this, Justin. I like it. I like when you guys read that shit. Uh, thank you to anyone who's shared something on Twitter about us, recommended us. We... I cannot begin to express how very seriously we appreciate that. That shit just makes my day. Anytime anything comes up, um, anyone who's ordered a shirt, anyone who's done anything like that, fucking thank you to our patrons. Just you for listening. It's fucking cool as shit. Um, if you're on iTunes, do us a favor. Give us a review. And you know, let us know, and we'll, we'll send you some cool shit. Um, what else is there? Again, thank you to our patrons. Patreon.com back to Punks for more information. Thank you to Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. They're on Twitter at the underscore LVAC, and I think it's the same thing on Instagram. You can follow us on there at theharbiz666 on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, And I guess until next time, that's it. Okay, see ya. Kill the proletariat. No, shit, fuck, kill the bourgeoisie. I can't believe you just advocated killing the working class on our no, fucking podcast. No, we will rise up. You're such a class traitor. We shall such fucking a bang trader. on the gates of heaven with the skulls of the bourgeoisie. They will let us in. Until next time, stay spooky. <laughs> Don't talk, just listen. Son, there is no hope, only mystery, wonder, and danger. Black Sun Dispatches on the Cinepunks Podcast Network.